Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the Elite Hockey Fans Podcast. My name is Trevor, and I'll be your main host for today's episode. Also joining me today is Colin. Hello. And also joining us tonight is Will. Will, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Uh, hey, everybody. Um, I'm Will. As Trevor just said, I go by X Factor in the EHF Discord server. I've been following hockey for around 20 years as a Devils fan, similar to Trevor. Um, I bring a knowledge of advanced statistics and just some general fantasy sports knowledge. In the past, I have done a bunch of MLB-related projects. I've made a uh, daily uh, fantasy uh, projection model and done some stuff for season-long fantasy as well. I hope that I'll be able to bring something like this to NHL, maybe change up my model and make it so that I can do something for season-long fantasy hockey, bring you some sort of uh, ranking system for fantasy hockey, and then just bring along some of the other stuff I touched on with the advanced statistics and a different way of looking at the game. Um, So that's enough about me. I guess we'll transition into the uh, portion of the episode. So today we're going to be talking about a bunch of the stuff with the trades that happened over the past, I guess, maybe like a week and a half or so. And we'll try to go in order of what happened. So we'll start out with the uh, Patrick Marlowe trade. Yes, it was the Carolina Hurricanes acquiring Patrick Marlowe from the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in exchange for a six-round pick that's going back to Toronto. And also the Leafs traded a 2020 conditional first-round pick and the condition is if the Leafs pick is top 10 in 2020, the Hurricanes will receive Toronto's 2021 first pick instead and also a seventh round pick also coming to Carolina. So how do we feel about this one, guys? Eh, it, it was just a cap dump. Literally, that was all it is. And they weren't able to convince Marlowe to return to their team. And so they made the buyout official. And now he is a Restricted free agent, unrestricted free agent. Yeah, when yeah. I, when I look at it, it's basically a big cap dump. It just shows you that in the NHL, as it is right now, that salary cap can be weaponized at this point. Um, they got really nothing in return for Marlowe. They had to attach their first round pick in order to move him. Um, they ended up buying him out, but just some of the stuff about Marlowe in general, his three-year numbers aren't really that great in terms of his advanced statistics. He has basically become an average to maybe even a below-average player at this point. He's not going to really facilitate all that much. He needs guys to help him out. Um, this was a good trade, I guess, from the standpoint of Toronto. They need the cap space to go out and re-sign Marner, maybe look at some unrestricted free agents as well. Um, and then when you when you look at it, I mean, even when Carolina buys him out, they still have tons of cap space. They can go out and, you know, improve their team. They're one of the up-and-coming teams in the NHL at this point. So, Yeah, it's also, yeah and just a little quick tidbit for those who may not know, since Marlowe signed his contract when, when he was above the age of 35, Carolina – buying them out, it, there's no cap relief. It's just the full cap hit for this year and then nothing else after that. That's a good Pretty point. much. Yeah, and uh, at the time this trade was made, we still didn't know the salary cap for the league yet. So pretty much <laughs> just a cap dump at the time the trade was made. 
Um, so we will see what happens with Molo. The next trade, and boy, this was a doozy. P.K. Subban goes to the New Jersey Devils from the Nashville Predators in exchange for Steven Santini, Jeremy Davies, a 2019 second-round pick, and a 2020 second-round pick. And New Jersey is taking on the full contract of $9 million. So, guys, what do we have to say about this one? This was a crazy trade. Um, it's uh... – it's another cap dump trade. Like that's the theme with a lot of these trades over the past week. It's just lots of cap dumps because the cap was much lower than anticipated. But but at the same time, New Jersey had a lot of cap space, and they were the only ones who were willing to take on the full contract. And they they added someone who can be a number one defenseman. Um, there is a bit of concern that maybe injuries and and age are starting to take him down as he just as he posted some of the worst numbers of his career this past year although he did have he did miss a lot of time due to injury but I think PK is due for a bounce back year uh and and from Nashville's perspective they get a seventh another seventh defenseman who who isn't really that great Davey is a prospect more of a magic beans prospect he has some good potential but more of a wait and see kind of guy and then the two seconds became are really just seconds and actually moved the second they got from New Jersey to uh, Philadelphia. So it became a wash, at least the one this year. I don't know what they're going to do with the 2020 second. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a similar, similar comments. I'll elaborate a little bit more, I guess. Uh, See if I can bring, you know, a few different takes to it. Um, It's a steal for New Jersey. Again, cap space you're just weaponizing it at this point you're getting a guy who was a top 10 defenseman uh maybe not last year obviously because of the injuries and a little bit down play but the years prior to that he's only he's still only 30 so he's like probably in the middle of his prime at this point you're getting him for almost nothing when you look at it um one of the big things for nashville was uh, their general manager stated that the devils were the only team that was willing to take on his full salary uh, that was a big thing for them. They needed to move that off the books, probably to go out and try to get Matt Duchesne. Um, the Devils are trying to entice Hall to stay on the team. Supposedly, he loved it. There was, uh, you know, some reports that he sent out a big green check mark to Ray Shiro, saying that this was great. He publicly stated in some interviews that he loved adding Subban to the team. Um, when you look at some of Subban's numbers, yeah, he was injured last season. When you look at the three to four previous years prior to that, they basically were all at a very high level. He kind of like was plateaued, then dropped down. When I look at it, I think that his numbers probably will go back up, obviously, at this point. Definitely not to the same levels that they were at in the uh, three to four year window that I was talking about. Um, just because of the age and injuries will eventually take a toll on you. Um When you look at what the Devils gave up to Nashville, I mean, as a Devils fan, looking at Steven Santini, he was supposed to be good. He's not really anything more than a seventh defenseman. He brings nothing to a team offensively. His defensive numbers really aren't that good. Uh, When you look at Jeremy Davies, he's basically a B-level prospect. His upside's probably a second-pair defenseman. That's pretty good. So that's like the main thing that they're getting along with the two second round picks, one they flipped for extra picks and then the one next year. Um, 
depending on what happens with the Devils, that could end up being a middle to late second round pick. We'll see what happens with them in the upcoming season. And then just looking at Subban for the Devils, um, he'll probably end up becoming either the power play quarterback on the first power play unit. There's a chance that he could go to the OV spot and uh, blast some one-timers at the net and everything. Um, and the one thing that I think that the Devils need to get out of him and try to get him to do a little bit more is that they need to get him to carry the puck more into the offensive zone instead of dumping it in and making it like a 50-50 of whether or not you're going to be able to get possession back. But all in all, I think that it was a great trade for the Devils and for Nashville. I mean, if they're going to get Duchesne, um, it doesn't really make them much better to not have him, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, definitely. Um, just another quick point I want to bring up. Uh, the trades that Ray Shearer has made in his tenure as GM with New Jersey, he's acquired Taylor Hall, P.K. Subban, Sammy Vatnin, and the players he was able to get rid of to get, acquire these players has been amazing. And I'm just really happy to have him as my GM for my favorite team. So uh, good job, Shiro. And uh, who knows what happens at free agency as of the time we were quoting this uh, Monday, July 1st tomorrow, maybe he acquires someone big there as well to help entice Taylor Hall to stay. Uh, mm-hmm. Next trade uh, also on day two of the draft, uh, the Vancouver Canucks acquired JT Miller for the Tampa Bay Lightning um, in exchange for uh, Marik Mraznik, a 2019 third-round pick, and a 2020 conditional first-round pick. And the condition is if the Canucks do not make the playoffs in the 2019-20 NHL season, the 2020 first will transfer to a 2021 first round pick instead. So what are we thinking about this one? Um, When I look at this trade of JT Miller, um, just looking at it on paper at the beginning, I wasn't really a fan of it. Um, I kind of went in and looked at some of like the advanced statistics behind it. And I guess I can see why Vancouver went out and acquired him. Um, he has GAR, which is goals above, goals above replacement that are higher than Hurdle, Pacioretty, Voracek, Kopitar, Landeskog, and it's, he actually has similar numbers to Tarasenko. Um, so when you, when you look at it like from that standpoint, I guess it makes sense. But you, you also have to factor in the fact that he was playing on a loaded Tampa Bay roster for the whole entire season. So was it a byproduct of him playing with extremely talented players and that just made him better? Is he more of like a guy that needs, you know, high-end talent in order to make him better? Or can he kind of lead, you know, a team on his own? And when I look at it, and you look at some of his numbers when he was with the Rangers, they're not nearly as good as they were with Tampa Bay. So I think that he's going to need somebody to, you know, really help him drive the play, I guess. I mean, if they put him with Pedersen, then he'll probably do just fine. Um, When you look at what Vancouver gave up for him, I mean, this was this really in general was a, you know, another cap dump for Tampa because they have to re-sign Braden Point. They need to, you know, lock up some of these guys that are restricted free agents. They really didn't have a ton of uh, salary cap space. And, you know, normally you have to pay to, you know, dump cap. But in this circumstance, 
they got a good return for the guy. So when I'm looking at it, like I don't see Vancouver taking a big step next year. So, you know, are they going to probably have the pick protected next season? Yes. I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. So it'll get bumped into the next year. Now, why didn't they do something to protect that year as well? Because I don't, I mean, yeah, we're still another year out. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, there's injuries, there's this, there's that. Teams draft. We'll see what happens with the guys that they have coming up. But I just don't really get it. You could possibly be giving up um, an unprotected lottery pick. You know, we could see Tampa Bay end up with a top three pick, a top ten pick. They could then take that and flip it for something else. It just looks like you may be giving them a – you know, a premier pick or even just have something that they can go out and acquire another player with. And you're just gifting them cap space, which nobody really wants to see Tampa Bay, you know, be able to go out and acquire better players, especially with the loaded team that they already have. So um, it was good for Tampa, bad for Vancouver. That's just my take. Um, Well, my take is uh, a little bit more generous. Like I I think, JT Miller is a good play. He's a good depth, good like role player type forward. Talented enough to put up twenty goals, but not really good enough to drive play on his own. And to will to elaborate on your comment, from what I understand, he played a majority of the year with uh, Anthony Sorelli and Alex Corn. And no offense to those guys, but they are not exactly the most high tier of talent. But does Gar like also take into account like power play time or whatnot? Yeah, um, it um they kind of yeah. they split it into even strength and they also will split it into um power play as well. I kinda combine the two of them. So Okay. Okay. So yeah, he probably gets elevated because of power play. This example with power play was insane this year. Um but I think I think I definitely think this like this helps. This gives Vancouver more roster depth and adds them, gives them a top six winger that they can play with in terms of line depth. And I mean, you can you compare him with either Pedersen or Horvat, and I think he'd do fine. He he brings some physicality as well to his game. He can play any forward position. So you you, you don't have Pedersen or Horvat, you could just slot JT Miller in as your set center. I definitely and and I like the. I think it was smart of betting to put the condition on the 2020 first. I, I think that 2021 first, he, he really is banking on them making the playoffs. But at the same time, why shouldn't he? I mean, at that point, it'll have been seven years since they've hit that initial funk and when he took over. So, and this rebuild's been going on for a little while now. And I mean, if it if you're still bad and tanking even into your like seventh year, into a seventh year, how how does that look in terms of your rebuild? I think that makes it a failure. Like you shouldn't be rebuilding for that long. It's it's not a healthy recipe for success. Yeah, those those but, are good points. Um, I I just want to touch on one of the things you said about like uh, his teammates and stuff like that. Um, when when you look at it, the guys that he was playing with, yeah, of course you're looking at Sorelli and Kalorn, but you also have to take into account that with as deep of a roster as Tampa Bay had, what, what unit were they matched up against like every single game? So they may have been getting an easier matchup in comparison to, um, 
what they would have what they what he'll get when he's in Vancouver so that also could have elevated his success level but then again I didn't really watch too much of Tampa Bay's games I didn't have like anything to really look at and I didn't look into anything about you know who they were normally matched up against and stuff but I I don't know we'll see how it plays out I know GT, GT Miller is definitely a guy who can work with better players. Like, I mean, he, he was immediately paired with uh, Kucherov and Stamkos, and those three hit it off pretty big after that trade, after they, they acquired him at the deadline. and That was their top line going into the playoffs. And mm-hmm. GT Miller's production aside, they it was a good line. So, okay. I think he – I definitely don't think it was that, it's going to be that bad. I don't think – JT Miller's going to fall off a cliff. I mean, if he's playing with Pedersen, to be honest, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked, entirely shocked to see him score close to 30 because he does have a goal-scoring touch. Yeah, I was going to say that um, somewhere around 50 to 60 points probably is around like the sweet spot for him this season, but we'll, we'll see how it goes for, uh, for him. Um, yeah, him being in the top six will halt that production, but we, we've, we talked about this long enough. Let's move it on. Yeah, and, yeah uh, I just want... I want to make a quick point quickly. Uh, I think this puts Jim Benning on the clock personally for him to get the Canucks into the playoffs. Because like, uh, like you guys said, seven years, they've been like rebuilding now. And I think they only made the playoffs once, I believe. I think it was 2015. That was during during the, uh, sorry, sorry to interject. No, that was during the, that was like during the uh, Sedin era. That like anybody with a brain could tell you that that was a fluke season. They yeah. overachieved. Mm-hmm. So um, I just think this puts Jim Benning on the clock. And if he doesn't make the playoffs by 2021, he needs to uh, leave Vancouver. But that's mm-hmm. just me personally. Uh, the next trade, this happened on June 27th and Pretty much a cap dump trade. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights sending Eric Halla to the Carolina Hurricanes uh, in exchange for Nikolai's Roy and a 2021 conditional fifth round pick. And the condition is Vegas receives the fifth round pick in 2021 if Halla is on the Hurricanes roster past the 2019-20 season and or if Carolina trades Halla of one of the following, a player, multiple draft picks, or a draft pick in rounds one to five. If no condition is met, no pick will be transferred. So pretty much a cap dump traded with this one. Vegas was very highly over the cap, and they needed to get that down immediately. Um, when For me with this Hall of Trade, um... He would have been a guy that I would have been okay with the Devils going out and targeting. Um, I mean, we know that the, obviously Vegas made another trade with Colin Miller. We'll get to that one a little bit later. He's another guy I would have been fine with the Devils going after. Um, Halla's biggest problem in his career is that he's just he's been so injury prone. He's I'm pretty sure he's missed a decent amount of time with injuries during his career. Um, he's a guy that I think is pretty skilled he you know brings a good playmaking ability to a uh, team's roster um but at the same point when, when you when you look at it vegas has a bunch of young guys that they can probably slot in to replace him um i don't really think that it's 
too bad for them to move on from Hala. Um, I think that it's a good pickup for, um, you know, you know, it's a good pickup for Carolina and they gave up a prospect and then a conditional pick in order to get him. So, um, you know, it's decent trade for both sides. I'm not really, I, I wouldn't pick either side as like a winner on this deal. I mean, Vegas is getting the cap relief that they need because they were with what, like 9 million or something like that over the cap. So it's yeah, really uh, it for me on that one. Yeah. Like they could have also traded Eakin and accomplished the same thing because he has the higher salary. So they'd be clearing more cap space, but mm-hmm. at the same time, Eakin, in my own opinion, anyway, is probably almost as maybe a maybe not as skilled as Eric Halla, but decently skilled enough. He can put up forty points. He can play a second line role. Had a career year in terms of goals this past year. Not a bad player. He's also more defensive than Halla, like, and I think that's the big thing why why Vegas didn't want to move him because he's one of their better penalty killers, and uh, whereas Halla. Well, at this point, Hollow would be more slotted lower in the lineup if you want him as a center, or and not, even on the wings, he'd be it'd be clogged up, and he's not good. He's not defensively responsible enough for a fourth line role, in my opinion. So, and and so I get why they moved him. And for Carolina, Hollow, I know they were there was a rumor out there that they were interested in Duchesne, so. It kind of tells me that they aren't trusting in uh, Eric Stahl being being a second line center for them anymore. So they they're definitely looking to try and bolster that center position for next year. Uh, and they gave up a prospect who I think a, lo- a good amount of people were pretty high on back in the day, Nicholas Swat or however you say his name. I know they're it, it's weird. It's a weird name because he was drafted in the same draft that, that another a defensive prospect, Nicholas Wall, who plays for San Jose, plays for. But that's another tangent for another day. Um, but he 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 has skill. You he def, it, there is skill there, but he played on a pretty stacked uh, Charlotte Checkers team, and he didn't even make any much progress in terms of uh, stats pace this past year. So I think at this point his. I would put his ceiling more as like a third line center, a really good third line center. But who knows? Maybe going to a uh, Vegas and their minor league team, Chicago, who he had just played in the uh, Calder Cup Finals. Uh, maybe that will help uh, unlock his potential, his offensive potential, anyway. Yeah. And so uh-huh. I think I think both teams get something out of it, and no one really wins. Yeah, I didn't get uh, too much time, I guess, to touch on uh, Wa Roy, whatever his name is. Um, I just went in and looked at some of his like NHL point equivalents and where they project him to be. Um, a couple of years ago, he was projected almost as a borderline first-line potential player, and then he steadily declined from um, almost all the way down to basically third-line, maybe fourth-line center. Um, I don't think that he is that big of a gain for, um, you know, for Vegas. I don't, we'll see what, you know, we'll see what they'll be able to do with him, see if they can develop him. I mean, he's already 22 years old and I don't even think he's even really cracked the NHL lineup for all that many games so far in his career. But I mean, when you look at it, Vegas is just gaining the salary cap space and 
that's why they did what they did. Mm-hmm. Trevor, you have anything on this one? Um, nothing really. Um, uh, it's just pretty much Vegas acquiring the uh, the cap space because uh, they uh, initially they were like seven point five million over the initial cap set, which was eighty one point five million. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty much it. It's just trying to chip away at it. Um, there was a trade. Um, I forgot in my notes that I want to go back on the Chicago Blackhawks on. June 24th acquired uh, Calvin DeHaan and Alexi Sorella, I believe. Yeah, That's how like, you pronounce it? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. I apologize uh, for butchering the name. And uh, the Carolina Hurricanes uh, acquired Anton Forsberg and Gustav Forsling. So what do we got to say about this one? Uh, very interesting trade. Um. Uh... Stan Bowman's really like working, really trying to stack that defense back up. Cause to be like Chicago went on that good run for a little while there and looked like they were going to be a playoff team. But once again, their defense just killed them. They just could not, they could just not help keep their goaltender clear of high danger chances. They, they allowed too many shots. Like, Oh, like, it was a bad defense all around. And, and so they've added Olimata as well. Uh, sorry to get off track, um, but back to what I was saying. <laughs> uh, Calvin DeHaan is he, he's he's a very much defensive first defenseman who can put up some points, but it, but he he primarily makes his bread and butter being a defensive defenseman. But he's also very much injury prone. He has had a couple. He's had like he's missed a lot of time throughout his career, and he. There are even times where he's missed multiple multiple months of a season because of injuries. The most I think the full season he ever played was the sixteen seventeen season with the Islanders. But and so there's and he's supposed to miss the first. He's projected to miss the first month of the year this year. So so you're not exactly getting a, a roster player right now. But if he comes back next year fully healthy when he ready to jump into the lineup, he can make an immediate impact defensively, especially if you pair him with someone like Gustafson, who who is very much more of an offensive defenseman. So I, it was a good pickup for them. But and Alexei Sarella, he had a thir- he's he had a thirty goals as a prospect for the Hurricanes this past year. Uh, originally drafted he was originally drafted by New York and sent in a trade in an Eric in the uh, Eric Saul trade that sent him to New York um, he's a like Sorrell has got decent uh, potential he's he's been more of a goal scorer in his uh, lower in the lower leagues uh, he's primarily a center he's got a good shot he good instincts I think he's a good prospect to pick up more of a middle six level potential I think but not certainly not bad for a team that's looking to rebuild or retool anyway. Um, then you've got uh, four, but Carolina picks up two borderline, two glorified AHL players, in my opinion. Well, Forsberg, I think, could probably be a better backup, and not he probably just wasn't ready when he was initially in the NHL. But Forsling is just awful, he is just flat out awful in every statistic, like. No, our, our APM charts aren't the be-all end-all, but when you look at that, he is like a negative in every single category. Like, mm-hmm. 
this dude just does not have anything nice about him at all. Like, I don't know. Maybe maybe Carolina can use their defensive guru magic and make him somewhat good. I don't know. And maybe and I think they're well. Forsberg's now a third stringer for them because because they made a trade today that we'll we'll get to later. Um, so, but anyway. I think Chicago gets the better deal out of this one, but at the same time, I think Chicago put themselves in an interesting position because now they have Keith, Gustafson, Mata, Seabrook, Murphy, and uh, Dahan now. And you also got Yokiharu still, Yokiharu, Dahlstrom, Cuckoo. So that's going to be a very blood hungry defense looking to fight for time next year. Yeah, they they really stacked up that the blue line. I mean, that their defensive corp they basically just rebuilt, you know, in the the off season and just through the draft and stuff like that. I mean, Chicago is going to be great defensively. I feel like um, with with Dehan when you look at him, he was a guy last year that a lot of the people on Twitter that are Devils fans were extremely high on, um, myself included. He was somebody that. I really wanted the Devils to go out and grab. I mean, they really needed somebody that was very defensive oriented for uh, defense, you know, for their defensive corpse. They didn't really have somebody like that. I mean, you have Andy Green as somebody that can suppress shots and kill penalties, but the Han would have been somebody else that you could throw in and take time away from Green and give him a rest since he's a little bit older. Um, when when I look at it, it's like Carolina basically gifted Chicago a, a great defensive player. I I don't really understand this trade from Carolina's side. I mean, yeah, I understand that they have like a great blue line. They're not really in cap trouble. So I don't understand why you give up on a guy like this, you know, one year after signing him to a deal in free agency. And it's not even like his cap hits like unreasonable for the sort of player that he is. So it, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I mean, the other thing with Chicago from this aspect of the trade, they're getting better just by getting rid of some of the guys that they gave up. Like uh, Colin was saying about Forsling, he is, he's really bad. When you, when you look at any of his advanced statistics, you mentioned the RAPM charts and stuff like that, extremely negative. Anything in general, he doesn't really do anything all that great. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe it's he needs somebody to – help him out defensively or something like that, or they maybe they need to shelter him in Carolina. I'm not really sure what they're going to do, but I don't think that he's really that good. And then Forsberg, I mean, he's a backup at best. I mean, he's probably an AHL starter. I don't really see much of a ceiling for him at this point. Um, so when you look at it, Carolina got nothing basically in return for a top four defenseman. So it just doesn't make sense to me. You're basically gifting Chicago a player at that point. Now, uh, I hate to get into, like, tinfoil hat conspiracy theories out there, but I saw someone on Twitter put out a theory that maybe Carolina's working an internal cap and, like, they aren't ones who are going to spend to the full salary cap and that they were looking at moving on just because it was precluding that higher salary cap, that internal cap. And it would make sense considering uh, the the rumor out there that they had lowballed uh, Sebastian Ajo for like a six million by eight year deal, mm-hmm. which he he was never going to sign. I mean, let me. I'm just trying to pull up cap friendly really quickly. 
to see where Carolina stands at the moment. Um, let's see, Carolina. When you, I mean, talking about them cap wise, yeah, they only have fifteen guys on their, you know, on their roster right now, and they have uh, twenty eight out of fifty possible contracts at the moment. They're still under the cap floor, so. Yeah, I understand that they have to sign Aho. They just made the playoffs this season. They look like they're one of the up and coming teams. I just I, I don't get it fully. I mean they they have to have some sort of money to spend, I would hope. Um I don't know. I'm I, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't think I don't that know. it's it could be something with internal cap. Maybe they're not generating enough revenue or something. I don't remember where they were on the list that was just released in terms of um, the amount of, um, you know, the percentage of the seats and stuff like that, that they sold and everything. I mean, with the season that they had, I would assume that it probably was a little bit up there, but I don't know in past years and everything. So maybe they're a little bit um, strapped for money. I'm not 100% sure, but... Yeah, well, I would not be shocked if uh, Carolina misses the playoffs next year because right now I have no idea what Waddell is doing or what how he is watching some of these contract situations or at least not being able to talk to these uh, free agents he's got and not being able to get them on a contract before the July 1st deadline hits and... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's so weird. I, but it it's going to be an interesting season for Carolina for sure, because there there are going to be expectations on them now because nobody expected them to meet the conference final and they did and yeah. now they they're looking at tearing down the team that had got them to that conference final. So yeah, I don't know. That's it's going to they're going to be relying on I think they're going to be relying on some of the kids from Charlotte to make that next big move. Yeah, I mean those are those are all good points and everything. Um, I, I can I can see everything that you were talking about there, you know, coming true. Um, Trevor, any uh, input? Um, let me see here. Um, I was just on cap friendly really quick, going over some things while you guys were talking. Okay. Um, Nothing. Uh, Chicago clearly wins a trade, but I'm just curious to see where Carolina goes from here because, like you said, Aho is. Still not signed, which is shocking to me. I don't know if there's been an offer sheet made for him. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think you can. I don't think you can uh, offer sheet for, for RFAs before oh, July can't. first. No, oh, I, okay. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how the uh, what the. I'm not entirely sure what the that period entails, but I am pretty confident you can't offer sheet RFAs before July first. Yeah, you you can't physically give them the offer sheet, but you can meet with them. I haven't really heard too much about him taking meetings with any teams, but I did see some notes um, from guys on Twitter that his camp was contacted by multiple teams, but it seems that he has no interest in leaving Carolina. But if they're going to lowball him, we'll see what happens. But I can't imagine that they're not going to match whatever – is given to him if another team was to go out and offer sheet him because oh, yeah. they, they have, they have the, they have the cap space. There's no reason that it's not like they're cap strapped, like Toronto, for example, where, you know, if Marner got offer sheeted, do they have a chance to, you know, 
get themselves under the cap in the window that they have to either match or give him away, basically. So, but yeah, th- that that is a good point to you know bring up about the offer sheeting and stuff like that because I I didn't even really think about that when I was like looking at this whole entire trade. But yeah, it's a good point. I think Aho, I think Aho would be that one guy that they would uh, only just open the bank for and just be like, you want money, get your money. Um, yeah I'm just curious to see where Carolina goes because they only got 28 contracts out of 50 Um, they obviously have cap space I don't know if they're just not willing to spend it which shocks me so well yeah I mean this is your most successful season in a decade you'd think that they would be at least entertaining spending cap I'm just more worried about if they. I I know since they just acquired a goalie. I I'm I just I don't know about that goaltending tandem that they got because they. I think they are very high on their prospects and the Delivic. I think is how you say his name. Uh, being ready to take on some NHL responsibility, but I would I would try to keep Morazic for sure. But at the well, same we'll time, we'll get to that. Um, yeah, because that just, trade was curious. just made today. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll circle back on this later. Uh, yeah. Moving on, uh, the other trade, uh, Carl uh, Soderberg, I believe. Yes, uh, Carl Soderberg goes to the Arizona Coyotes and going to Colorado. Um, Kevin Connaughton, Connaughton, Kevin Connaughton, Connaughton, um, and a 2020 third round pick. Um, so Colorado's saving a little bit of money here. Um, you guys want to get into this? Uh, you know, uh not too much though, because there's not really much. Well, I guess the only interesting talking point is is where where's the center depth? Like, because yeah. because I mean Soderberg's a glorified third line center on that team, but he's he was the he was one of their more consistent centers there besides besides McKinnon. I think they are really banking on uh, Kerfoot or Jost being ready to take on that second line center role or Comfort. Cause I know Comfort can play center, but I think he's been better off as a winger for them. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, Connaughton, I think he was due for a contract this year now, or he might have a year left. Uh, he, he's a seventh defenseman, pretty bad one. Arizona. I've talked to a lot of Arizona Coyotes fans and they were jumping for joy when Connaughton was traded. That dude's a glorified AHL defenseman. I know he was in the Vancouver system for a while there. He's got some good offensive talent in the lower levels, but he just he's just not good for the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Arizona, I think it was also interesting. They are they clearly realized from last season about the importance of depth because if if they had at least one of their other forwards healthy. Like Nick Schmaltz, they would have been in the playoffs, no question. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm when I'm looking at this one, I mean, it's basically Colorado just selling high on a good year from Soderberg. He did decently well last year. That is um, well. I, I agree with the fact that he is basically a glorified third center. Um, I mean, the Coyotes really need guys down the middle they need people that can um you know go out there and play the sort of role that they're going to need from Soderberg they need depth at the center position um 
they also need just got a goal scorer that is a, a leading goal scorer that isn't Brad Richardson. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they're not getting like they their roster last year. They had like nobody that scored a lot of goals. I mean, it was it was crazy to see yeah, like, because they were they were close to making the playoffs, and I'm pretty sure that they were struggling to even have like somebody crack twenty goals. And yeah, the season cracked. was almost. It was almost over, and I guess that you're saying that, Colin, you're saying that nobody cracked 20 or did no, it? No, no, literally one of their big best goal scorers was Brad Richardson. He had, like, the one of the best years I can remember out of him, at least in terms of his offensive production. Literally, mm-hmm. like, most of it was just Darcy Kemper going ham and carrying that yeah. Like Yeah, I think I remember seeing, like, a couple times that – Brad Richardson had like I know he had one hat trick last season, um, and I'm I'm I don't remember if that was a four goal game or if maybe he went out and got another hat trick or something like that like a couple weeks later. But I was like shocked to see his name and a hat trick next to it when I was like scrolling through Twitter. Um, I'm sorry. Let's see. Yeah, it is pretty funny because he's not really a guy that you're going to think is going to be lighting up the score sheet all that much. Um, When it's not really, I just going back to this trade in general, it's not really a cap dump. I don't really see Colorado needing cap space. I don't really know where they're going to turn for the uh, center position. They're not going to go out and try to go and grab Duchesne after the uh, Rocky ending and stuff like that, that he had in Colorado. Um, there's, it's not really that deep of a center market when you really look at it for like unrestricted free agents. Um, I heard Pierre Maguire was saying that he thinks that Tyson Jost is going to make the jump to the second line center. He was saying that, um, he watched him in the playoffs and he was like remarkable and all this stuff and everything like that. I mean, I feel like Pierre Maguire sometimes doesn't know what he's really talking about, but <laughs> I can, I can, I can see it. I can see him taking mm-hmm. the step to be the uh, second line center for them. Yeah. Um really not really that big of a game. He's not good. He's pretty bad defensively seventh defenseman, like Colin was saying. Um, but all in all, I feel like it's generally fair return for a 34-year-old center in Soderberg. So, yeah. it's, a, it's it's a all right trade for both sides. I, I can see a you know an argument for either side winning this deal. What to to elaborate on the Joe's thing? Yeah, Joe's had an. But on top of that, I, after he like had his second stint in the edge gel or like coming back down the stretch, he was a he was excellent. Like. He really turned it on. Like he, he, I saw like what Tyson Jones could be in that stretch down down the mid down the stretch. I think he's got what it takes to be a second line center in the NHL, and I wouldn't be shocked to see him jump into a second line center role and produce and be what we thought he could be based on his like development program and uh, college production. Yeah, I mean, he's still young, so he still has some time to get there. And, I mean, we definitely saw the flashes in the playoffs and at the end of the year. That's why I'm saying, like, I'm not a Pierre Maguire fan. Pierre made it sound like it was because he was watching and all this stuff and he really sees it. But I could could see it being him being the second line center. I think that he'll be able to do it. But Maguire loves prospects. He he just – 
to to avoid getting uh, too dirty, he, he he gets pretty excited, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's Trevor. that's really all I got on this. So, Trevor, yeah, if Trevor. you have anything, um, nothing really. No, um, just to see where Colorado goes from here, I guess. Um. It would be funny though to see Duchesne go back to Colorado, Whoa. make it a first circle effort. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and would, would would this would that also make Nashville the ultimate losers of the Duchesne trade? <laughs> yeah, because oh god, because <laughs> they gave up they gave up a lot just to get Taurus, and Taurus hasn't even been that good for them. No, yeah, and that's it it's a big reason good. why they're trying to get Duchesne. That is going to be one of the most expensive center cores, and it's not even. It's going to be so meh. It's, yeah, it's be, like Duchene would probably be the most qualified to be a first line center on that team, but they got Rijo there, and he's expensive. For it's it's going to be interesting. It's definitely interesting. Well, well, we say a lot of things are going to be interesting, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it's, it's the off gets, season. Yeah, but if Nashville gets it, uh, it gets Duchene. It's going to be certainly interesting to see how they go from there because I know they definitely want to try and reload because they felt they hit a wall and that they aren't closer to a cup than they were back in 2017. Yeah. And they've been desperately trying to find that second line center because they had no centers against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, Well, I guess, guess, do we have anything else to say? Um, Um, Nothing about this trade. Oh, God. Yeah, we. This is yeah, gonna be that's... a long. Episode. This is gonna be a long episode. Huh? It's gonna be a yeah. pain. Edit. For something that's yeah. like such a small trade as that, I guess it's really there's not really much to go into. It's more of like uh, what could possibly come after. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm good to move. I'm good yeah, to move on to the next one. Are the, are the ones on these trade that like these lower level trades that make that make them take a while to talk about? I think. Yeah, but, definitely. Okay, moving on. Moving on, uh, again with the Colorado Avalanche, uh, they acquire uh, Andre Burakovsky from the Washington Capitals uh, in exchange for uh, Scott Kuzmiak? Kuzmiak? Kuzmiak. Kuzmiak. Okay, I apologize. (laughs) Um, And the Capitals also get a 2020 second-round pick and a 2020 third-round pick. Um. So Colorado pretty much just gets the signing rights for Burakovsky, and I assume they are going to sign him if they did, in fact, make the trade for him. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, well, I mean, expecting Colorado and Washington to not make a trade is like expecting it to not snow in de- December. I, maybe <laughs> there's a better analogy out there, but like Colorado, <laughs> Colorado and Washington have been conjoined to the hip for – trades for as long as I can remember. As far as I know, it pretty much started with them trading Semyon Barlamov to the Avalanche and then it just and then it, they went back to that well again when it came to trading Grubauer. So mm-hmm. essentially essentially all of uh, Washington's cast offs that they can't sign or don't want, they just give them to Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I I guess that's that's kind of true. Um, yeah, uh, Burkov. Sorry to interject, Will. Uh, yeah, Burkov, okay. Burkovsky. Uh, Burkovsky is uh, 
he you can see the talent there. I mean, he even showed it in his in his first couple of years in the league. I mean, his thirty point guy definitely was was more than capable of making the step to be a forty point player. But I just don't know if Washington's like style of hockey was right for him. I because and and it didn't also didn't help that the emergence of Verana did and that and Tom Wilson kind of pushed him down the depth chart. Mm-hmm. And at times he was a fourth liner, and I mean he is much better than a fourth liner. He's, I think, I just think him getting a chance in Colorado where he'll be more of a top six, a more consistent second line player, and most likely being centered by someone, I guess, like Kerfoot or uh, Jost. I definitely think there is potential for him to boom and break out. Um, Burakovsky was a guy that. I was. Uh, I I always go back and say something about the Devils just because I'm a Devils fan. But he was he was one of the guys that I was hoping that the Devils would also go out and try to target. The Devils really needed another guy to, um, you know, stick on the wing. The Devils now have a lot of depth at center. Um, so Burakovsky was a guy that I was hoping that they would target maybe to be on the wing. He is a guy that there's a. Decent following, I guess you could say, in the advanced statistic community that think that he still has some room to grow. Um, I think that he was really buried down in the Capitals, you know, depth chart, like Colin, you were, you were saying about that. I think that in Colorado, he probably will prosper a little bit more. I don't know if I don't remember exactly where Washington was playing him during the season, but if they had him on the fourth line, that almost kind of reminds me a little bit of. Um, when the Devils traded for uh, Kyle Palmieri, um, a guy that played really well towards the end of the season before he was traded, and then also in the playoffs was a big goal scorer. And now look at where he is with the Devils. So maybe the change of scenery and a little bit higher of a lineup slot on uh, Colorado will really help him out. Um, I think it was a – I won't say that it was a fair return necessarily what Colorado – gave back I think it was a little bit of an overpay to an extent I you know I I don't think that second and third round pick for what Burakovsky is currently is you know worth giving up maybe maybe the the third round pick and the player I mean Kosmachuk isn't he doesn't look like he's going to be anything good 25 year old guy who's been playing in the AHL um He's like a replacement level guy or whatever, maybe a third or fourth line. Yeah, he was on his, yeah, I think he originally drafted by Winnipeg or Atlanta. He was one of those guys who was always talked about as like like he had like big level uh junior league production and he was just like, Oh, this kid's gonna be good. Look, watch out for him and then he never became good. Yeah, he. I'm. I'm just looking right now and he had with the Gulf Storm of the OHL and uh 2013 2014 he had a 101 points and when you look at that i mean i'm pretty sure that that was his either plus one or plus two season um in the minors because he was drafted in 2012 so that would put him uh that was his plus two year that's like crazy production and then to go into other leagues and not really be able to do much is you know a little bit shocking when you see something like that so Man, he is. I I don't see it being him being a big portion of this. It's really just uh, the Capitals g- 
getting the draft picks and stuff like that. So um, um, I don't know. I mean, they've been able to turn they've been able to turn guys who were thought of as replacement level players and actually make them into something good. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Yes. I guess I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, I I, li- I can see it from both sides. I mean, Washington cap strapped a little bit, having to re-sign a restricted free agent who really hasn't done much, and now you give him away for picks. Colorado, you know, up and coming young core team, picking up a guy who is still young, who probably will be able to break out, um, playing higher up the lineup and stuff. So I, I see it as good from both sides, and that's really all I got on this one. Yeah, I don't know. There's not really much else to say, from at least in my own take. I mean, I don't know if Trevor has anything else to say. Um, yeah, I, I really like Burakovsky, um going to Colorado. I think it might be a fresh start for him, and uh, he could uh, strive on an up-and-coming Colorado team, and uh, Pretty much, I say an even trade here. Uh, yeah. Both teams get something they can use. So, uh, yeah, I guess we can move along. Um, Colin Miller is going to the Buffalo Sabers um, from Vegas, and what Vegas gets in return is a 2021 second and a 2022 fifth. So, once again, Vegas chipping away, trying to get themselves back down uh, to the cap. And uh, I believe that's about it. That's all you can really say yeah, here. Um, well, uh, it's no longer Miller time in Vegas. Uh, that's on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there it is. But, uh, uh, Colin oh. Miller. I know, like some Boston fans were kind of irritated that they that they gave up Colin Miller in the expansion draft. It, the dude's the dude's a good, really good offense, a good offensive defenseman, in my opinion. You know what I mean. He's a guy who he's got he's got a good shot. He has got some decent hockey sense. He's he's got a physical edge to his game. He can produce on the power play as well. Takes a little bit of takes some dumb penalties. Takes dumb penalties as well. And I mean, he's also not never I, another knock against him is that he's also never like if you look at a lot of his like quality of competition and teammate quality of competition and teammates stats like. He's never really been paired with like well excellent teammates, or he's never played against better competition, good competition. So you could also look at his that argument that maybe oh he's only producing because he's not he's he's getting weaker matchups. Mm-hmm. But so, but I think I I think this is a good pickup for Buffalo as well, and they didn't even give up a a pick in the immediate draft. They gave up like two picks in like a, a year, a, a year and two, a year and two, two years out from now. Mm-hmm. Well, at least from the where this upcoming draft is going to be, it's. I think they. I think Buffalo get Buffalo comes out better here than what they were. Yeah, I mean, I I like this trade for Buffalo. Um, I think that they're getting a pretty good defenseman in Miller. I. Once again, <laughs> this is a guy that I wanted the Devils to go out and get another good yeah. defenseman to Will's throw like... onto their roster. But these these are like all the guys that I'm like looking at all of these players. And I'm like, I wish that the Devils could go out and get like, you know, one or two of these guys. I, I'm, I really want them to push to, you know, keep Hall and everything like that. So it would have been nice if they could have gone out and gotten some of these guys. I mean. Miller for Buffalo, I think he's going to be good. Um, I think it's a it's a good trade for them. 
I've seen some speculation that maybe this will make Ristolainen expendable. Um, I could I could see it. I've been seeing rumors that they want to, you know, get rid of Ristolainen. So, well, I guess we'll see what happens there because of uh, that side of their defense is kind of now a little bit um, loaded up, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. So, um, yeah. I think it was a fair return. I mean, Vegas gets the cap space. This was a trade that got them under the uh, the cap ceiling, if I remember correctly. They have a little bit of space, then they can throw Clarkson onto long-term IR, free up a little bit more room, um, or give them the cap credit, however you call it. I forget the exact wording for it's, it, but but it's like um, they, yeah, go go ahead. Yeah, it's like they, uh, as far as I know about it from learning about uh, this the terms, at least from like cap friendly, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you're allowed to, it, it doesn't take it off the books. It's as much as it allows you to exceed the limit. Okay. And, then, and that's actually, and actually, and apparently that's technically a worse situation to be in rather than just getting rid of the contract completely. Yeah. I think I remember something where, um, the, 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 the performance bonuses or something like that, they, they can get pushed over to the next year if you're over the cap with a uh, long-term IR contract or something, like almost like a cap penalty the next year. I, I forget exactly how it works. I'd have to really it's, look more into it. But um, and yeah. It, yeah, so, well, uh, to elaborate further on, uh, I guess, call the Buffalo side of things, uh, yeah, that right side's now pretty good. I mean, Bogosian isn't that great, and he's overpaid for what he is, but he's a serviceable defenseman when healthy. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I agree. Like, gets played way too much. He's 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 very he's more he's very off. He's like a worse Brent Burns, very much offensively minded and horrible mm-hmm. defensively. But he doesn't even have half the offensive talent that Burns does. Yeah, uh, but then and then you've got. Brendan Montour, who I was hoping, who as a Pens fan, I had heard we were interested in him. I was so hoping we pick him up because a right side, I mean, a right side of Schultz, Montour, and Latang would have been. Mwah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I I really like Montour. I think he's got, he's a good, very good offensive defenseman. Not re- real, got a great shot. He can, got a great shot, good passing. I think good skater i think buffalo Buffalo made out good in the trade that they did to get montour and now they've made out they've picked up colin miller as well we're both and they're both good uh and so they've definitely added up a lot on that right side but that left side is still pretty weak because i remember correctly their their second left-handed defenseman is still jake mccabe (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not not that great i guess but i mean I, I guess we're kind of – I know Colin and I are in agreement basically that we like this trade from Buffalo's side. And, you know, Vegas we understand with the cap space and everything that they need it. So that's – I guess that's really it from the two of us. Uh, Trevor, I feel like we're always like, you know, jumping the gun and leaving you a little bit more. Yeah, you're the host. You know, hey, you're the host. Yeah, come on. I want – in the next <laughs> trade I think we're going to give you uh, – we're going to give you um, the uh, floor to speak first <laughs> if you want. So if you have anything to um, add in, go ahead. 
No, I mean, I'm just, I'm just agreeing with both of you guys pretty much on all of these trades. Uh, Buffalo gets a great, uh, well, a good defenseman in Colin Middle to help them out. And Vegas, you know, just trying to relieve themselves of that gap space. So, and they get themselves a second and a fifth. And, you know, the fifth, he, he, it's pretty much an amp, but who knows what that second round pick can get you in uh, 2021. Uh, speaking of the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, last night, June 29th, uh, they sent Phil Kessel to the Arizona Coyotes. And along with Kessel, they sent Dane Burks and a 2021 fourth-round pick. And going back to Pittsburgh is Alex Galchenyuk and Pierre Oliveira joseph Well, mm, this is an interesting trade. Uh, if anyone has followed Penn's news, they've, uh, they've been uh, very uh, – there's been a lot of rumors about Kessel and how the management group and like Sully and Rutherford had started growing tired of his uh, crap and like how like he, he was being a bit, he was too, I guess, too addicted to gambling or whatever. And maybe, <laughs> yeah. Well, he, it is known he is an avid poker player and that they were tired of it. Uh, then there's also rumors that like he was, him and Sully were not on speaking terms, and uh, Evgeny Malkin had to be the middleman. In that, he if he only wanted to play with Gino, but apparently Gino doesn't like playing with Phil. Hmm. So, it, and and now that it be and when Weatherford pretty much made it public that he was looking at Train Castle, he uh, it, it pretty much turned a, a happy a happy marriage, and it turned into a toxic. Turned it into a toxic, uh, turn turned it toxic, and then it became a nasty divorce. Yeah, I. Sorry to interject. I'm pretty sure I saw like a comment from their general manager that basically said that Kessel asked to be traded like during the middle of last year, and they kind of just like held on to him. So you just like built up toxicity in there. Um, and then another thing, talking about the poker, I'm pretty sure I saw like a picture of him playing. Uh, at the World Series of Poker recently, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, he, yeah, he he plays at like he plays at like World Championship Poker games, and like he, as far as like his Wikipedia page told me, he he won like with like entry fees as high as twenty five thousand. He's only won like seventeen thousand. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. But yeah, back back to the the hockey side, Colin. If you have anything else to you know add, feel free. Yeah. Here. Uh, Pierre, I, I know Arizona like was pretty when they drafted Joseph. They were pretty high on him. And just a little quick tidbit: he is also he is the younger brother of e Tampa Bay elite of elite Tampa Bay fourth line right winger Matthew Joseph. Okay. Uh, he, yeah, although I think Matthew Joseph could be a top nine player for Tampa next year. He is great in that regard. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he is. I definitely. But Joseph, like his his. His offensive numbers in the queue, especially in the queue, don't really stand out as being all that great. Mm-hmm. But like from from what I've heard, he's he he plays a bit more of a safe style game while also being an offensive type defenseman. Great puck move. Like mm-hmm. I don't know what the site is, but like that they have like these stats for like possession and possession per sixty or whatever, and like okay. they were able to get like five games of Pierre Olivier Joseph and. He was like near, like he was near, like the positive column, and like pretty much 
every single aspect of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the dude's got a good frame of 6'2", but he's also pretty lanky. He's, like, only 100 pounds. Uh, well, no, not 100 pounds. That would be way too light. He's, he's, he's 165 pounds, so he's mm-hmm. a little bit lanky. He's a little bit small for an NHL defenseman, but I definitely think he's he can fill out his frame. And if he does, I think you could see one hell of a defenseman in the league next year, in a couple years anyway. Uh, Arizona, they get a top-notch scoring player, but he can't really do much else. And at times this year, especially this year, he was more of a liability for Pittsburgh than assets, especially when it came to the power play. They, I think a lot of the shorthanded goals, a good amount of the shorthanded goals that Pittsburgh gave up were because Phil Kessel blew a tire or just made a dumb decision. Mm-hmm. It's just so, but I, I think they're really banking on, they're not banking on, like, I know we've talked about it before off podcasts that like they're, that Phil Kessel can't carry an offense and he can't be the guy. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're trying to bank on him being the guy where, and whereas they're hoping him and Keller have chemistry. But yeah. at, the same yeah. time, at the same time, when he had, when he had such a big offensive, like a big, like a 30 point gap between him and the next highest scoring Arizona player, you're you're kind of putting a lot of pressure on him producing just similar numbers, and there was also a quick. There was also like a rumor that uh, uh, there was also uh, well as report as Josh Yoey of the Athletic, one of the more prolific Penn beat writers, tweeted out late, uh, last night uh, that apparently Phil had seven tr- on his note on his yet on the teams he said yes to, like in his eight team list. Seven of them were teams that he that the Pens would never do business with, but the eighth one was Arizona. He pretty much okay. wanted, he wanted to go to Arizona no matter what. He likes hockey. He wanted to go be with hockey. He, mm-hmm. he he was pretty much using his trade clause to facilitate a trade to Arizona. Okay, uh, I'll let you speak. Uh, do you have anything on that Dame Burke Because I have never heard of him at all. Um, I looked really quickly. He doesn't really look to grade out all that well in terms of uh, where they project him to be he may end up being maybe like a um, third pairing defenseman or you know max out as like a uh, seventh defenseman but um, I mean that's not really what they're you know gaining in this trade from Arizona standpoint I mean Phil Kessel a guy that can score a bunch of goals um, in a smaller market will the you know taking the spotlight off of him to an extent, you know, will that really help him become a better player? I think it will be, or, you know, not become a better player, but get to the point of where he should be playing at. Um, you're going to pair him, obviously, it's going to be with Clayton Keller. I think that that's going to elevate Keller's game. It'll take, because when we were talking earlier, Arizona didn't have anybody that scored over 20 goals. They don't have anybody that's really facilitating offense. I mean, they brought in Galachenyuk, and they thought that he could have been, like, one of those guys to really, you know, help them turn a corner. And he he really turned out to not really do all that much for them. And, I mean, I'm even seeing people now say that this is what his third team – well, it's going to be his third team in three seasons. Is he a bust at this point? And I, I can see that, you know – I can see where that's going with him really being a bust, but well, the I thing don't know. is, we'll, we'll we'll see what will happen with him being on the Penguins because mm-hmm. now he's going to be playing down the lineup a little bit on a more stacked team. So maybe we'll see his full 
potential kind of like breakout this year. So I guess that'll be something to see as the, the year goes on. The uh, Pierre Oliver Joseph guy, um, he's he's a good prospect. I, I think that he is going to be good. Like you were saying, Colin, if he fills out a little bit more in terms of his weight, I think that he'll be a good defenseman, more um, more of a – you know, a guy that can move the puck and skate around with it, probably a little bit more offensive-minded than defensive-minded, but that's not a bad thing for um, a Penguins team that's starting to get up there a little bit in age with some of its core players, maybe adding in some of these younger guys so that there's not really that much of a lag between them contending now and then contending in the future. I think that he's a good piece for them. Um, And then... I mean, Arizona needs to really get somebody that's going to, you know, have people go out and watch the games. I mean, Brad Richardson, who we talked about earlier, isn't really the guy that's going to, you know, put people in the seats. I think Phil Kessel could be. He's a, he's a sniper, right? He's a guy that's going to be putting uh, pucks in the net for them. And like I, I was saying, I mean, having him out of the spotlight a little bit more, um, in a smaller market, I think will do wonders for him. And at first, I wasn't really a fan of the trade from Arizona side, but I, the more that I look at it and the more that I look at some of the statistics and just looking at it from the bigger picture, I think that this is a good trade for Arizona, but I also think it's a good trade for Pittsburgh. So I think it's a pretty balanced and pretty even trade. Uh, I want to say something on Galchenyuk real quick. I don't know if this qualifies as bus territory for him as a bus for Galchenyuk. I mean, bouncing around, yes, but at the same time, he's been he's been able to put up around fifty points in previous years, and he's been able to put up points on some pretty uh, not good teams. Uh, it's not that he he's not going to be as good as he was supposed to be. I, I get he's not a bust in the sense that he was literally terrible and he couldn't play in the NHL. He's just a bust. In, he's a bust in the sense that like he just wasn't. He's not able to. Uh, he wasn't able to reach up, live up to his potential. Yeah, where he was but, drafted, he was drafted third overall. Um, they were. They were. Not- yeah, they yeah. were they were thinking that they were getting a guy that was like borderline superstar potential, and then immediately he started to go down. He went from being a guy that was borderline superstar potential down to like a second line forward. He went I, up I, a little bit and then uh, you know dropped down. But like I was saying, I think that he will do better in Pittsburgh than he has in Montreal and in Arizona, just because of the fact that. Um, the pressure is going to be off of him a lot more than it was in the previous two spots that he played. So maybe not fully bust, but maybe not living up to what he was supposed to be, I think is a better way of putting it. I think he most likely could be that guy that slots in with Malkin and has chemistry, hopefully, because God knows he's been looking for years to find a permanent left wing for Malkin. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I could definitely see that being a combination that could work out. Uh, like, and I just, what was I talking about? Oh yeah. Uh, well, I just hope we don't, we just can't play him at C. The dude just cannot play C at the NHL level, but yeah, no, I also can't. think that, I also think that Montreal kind of rushed him a lot. Like they, they thought they were getting someone who could be NHL ready right now. 
but they rushed him. They rushed him pretty big, and I think that kind of hindered his development a little bit. And I, I mean, and in, injuries also play a part in Galchenyuk's career. He's been pretty injury prone throughout his career. Well, at least he's had some times where he's missed a lot of the season due to injury. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly. Like I, I've seen a lot of Penn fans just cry out and complain about the trade because they give they're giving up a guy who like gives up like like local like around here we have a like Pittsburgh on on one of our radio stations uh, we have a guy named Mark Madden who does like an afternoon sports show and he, for a while he's been on like the Troy Kessel train mm-hmm. and whenever he, whenever he's tried to facilitate discussion on a show, it's just like give me a reason why we we shouldn't trade Kessel besides point per game, point per game. Like give give us a reason to not trade Kessel besides him being a top offensive talent. Mm-hmm. But but that's the thing, Kessel literally does nothing else. He just scores. He doesn't play defense. He doesn't really forecheck. He, he like he doesn't get into the corner. He's not physical. He doesn't block shots. Mm-hmm. He, he's just yeah, he's, he's a guy. He's a prototypical sniper, and that's really that's really it. Yeah, you pay him to be that, but I don't think that's what the Pens needed at this point. They need stronger four checkers. They need guys who could probably play a little bit more physical, considering how the league may be shifting backwards with some physical play. Or they 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 also they also just need forward depth in general. Um, I have a couple quick points. Uh, yeah, go I'm ahead. Make it, if you don't mind. Um, if it's almost an hour thirty minutes, we've been doing this. <laughs> yeah, Trevor, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, last this will be the last season of the Galchenia contract. Uh, he will be at UFA next summer. So, if he doesn't perform well in Pittsburgh, um, that'll be four point nine million uh, potentially mm-hmm. off the books for the Penguins next summer. I know they're up there yeah. near the cap, so yeah. that could help them. Um. Castle three more seasons, um, six point eight million uh, cap hit for the Yotes. Uh, but also keep in mind the Maple Leafs are still helping with paying one point two million of that contract. Hmm. So uh, when he was originally traded to Pittsburgh, the Leafs did retain part of that Castle uh, contract, and um, Arizona does have a potential chance of making the playoffs. Castle. Uh, he can still score goals at his age. Uh, 27 goals last season, 34 the year before. So he can get you 20 goals easily per season. And also, Darcy Kemper uh, really got going near the end of the season. And if he could continue that going into this upcoming season, Arizona could potentially make the playoffs. But the Western Conference is – very, very difficult. There were a lot of good teams there, and especially in that Pacific division it's diff- they're it's in. It's difficult. It, it, it's, it's, I like to call the Western Conference, at least this past year, mad, maddeningly bad. Like, you have, like... Yeah, it was it very was mediocre. Just, although, I think that this still proved how strong of a division it was, and, like, how Minnesota finished, like, with 80 points and they still miss the playoffs. So it's I don't think the Western Conference is like god awful garbage. It's just it's just not as strong as it was in previous years. 
Yeah, when you when you think about it, just a, a little bit on the whole entire thing with the Western Conference, so we're we're a little bit a tiny bit off topic, but I, I want to put a comment in there about it. Um, I feel like it was extremely top heavy. It wasn't the normal Western Conference where you see almost every team really fighting for a playoff spot. I think that the the Eastern Conference was a little bit more competitive this year for whatever reason. So. We'll, we'll see how it goes next year. I think it could still be the same thing. The Metro looks like it's going to be absolutely stacked for this coming year. It's going to be a real bloodbath there to see who's going to, you know, pull out on top. But, you know, that's that's really all I got on this. I think we should probably move on to the uh, the last trade, I believe, at this point. Yeah, the last trade um, we are going to discuss today because we are almost 90 minutes in. And we want to thank you guys who are still oh. listening. Uh, trust batter. <laughs> um, but the last trade, this just happened uh, a few minutes actually before we went on recording today. Um, James Reimer uh, to the Carolina Hurricanes um, and the Florida Panthers get Scott Darling and a 2026 round pick. Um, has Darling been brought uh, out yet? Yeah. They have placed has that been unconditional waivers as well. And speaking, yeah, they did. Carol Florida is going to be paying the buyout. Uh, and just a little quick tidbit on the unconditional waivers thing. Uh, Dave Shlemko, who was on the Flyers roster, and uh, Andre Shakara from the Oilers are also on unconditional waivers. And I assume both of them will, uh, all three of them will clear waivers and their contracts will be terminated. Yeah, definitely. Um, I saw about the whole entire thing with the, the buyout and everything. I mean, it's like Carolina really thought that <laughs> Darling was the, the guy for them. And then that really, you know, turned around and didn't really work out for them. But he's, he's a, he's a backup. He's not a starter. You know, he, he had that good year and that was it. But And I think he, uh, oh, hold on. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, so I'll, I'll just jump in really quickly, uh, for the moment. So, uh, yeah, go when, ahead. You, when you look at this, right. Um, Florida is giving up Reimer to Carolina. Carolina's biggest need is goaltending. Does Reimer answer this sort of goaltending crisis that they have? I really don't think so. When you look at some of his numbers, the past few years, he really hasn't been good. He had that, you know, breakout year with, um, I think it was, what, 2015, 2016. No, he was, w- was maybe one of his better years. And then I think the season after that, he played decently well. Um, but in the past two years, he hasn't been good. He's a backup goaltender. Um, I don't really know what Carolina is going to do to address the goaltending situation because they're not really linked to any of the – the big name goalies, I guess, that are free agents. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they're not looking at Bob Robsky. I don't think that they've been in contact with Leonard. So I, I don't know where they're going to go from here. Um, then you look at Florida. Florida is getting rid of Reimer. I mean, maybe you're freeing up some space and stuff like that, but they're another team that needs a goaltender. We've obviously seen the rumors about them with um, – Bob Robsky and then Panarin going along with Bob Robsky to Florida. Um, but I've been seeing differing takes on where the two of them are going to be going. I've seen um, 
Kami on Twitter, Mike Commodore, was saying that they're going to the Islanders. And then I've also been seeing now people speculating that they're going to Florida because of the fact that Florida just moved out Reimer. They have the open spot for a goaltender. Um, and then obviously the um, connection with the coach to Panarin. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. But um I think that this was another one of those like even trades. I, I don't think that there's really a winner. I think that who will win this trade will be um, it'll be dependent upon further moves down the line, speculating on top of like the whole free agency and everything like that. What I just got into with Bobrovsky of Florida lands, Bobrovsky Bob and Panarin, then it's kind of like in uh, addition to this trade, they basically then kind of win this trade, I guess, if you want to put it that way. But, you know, that's that's really all I got on this. It's kind of like a run-of-the-mill, we'll see what happens sort of trade and see where the market kind of goes with the goalies and how these teams kind of position themselves. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll uh, uh, Reimer never really lived. He, he was only, he was like after Toronto had traded to Garask, uh, and they had like no goalie prospects. Reimer kind of sort of came along with this potential like savior, I guess, for the Maple Leafs in terms of their goaltending situation. And he had some good runs there. And I mean, he was pretty much one of the big reasons why they made the playoffs in 2013. Uh, I don't, he never really lived up to that potential. And I mean, he's not consistently good enough to be a full time starter, but he's a good backup and I think he's a good fringe guy. Mm-hmm. I just, and I know, I just know that like Florida hadn't been looking to move on from him just to free up some cap because yeah, it just wasn't working out there. And I, they are really high on now on uh, Sam Montebo, Montebo, however you say his name, to be that backup because he had he had some iffy AHL numbers, but he had a good stretch in the NHL, so they're definitely confident in him being a backup goaltender for them. Mm-hmm. And Darling, poor, I don't know, he just never he, he hasn't been the same since Chicago, and I think he actually missed most of the year this year because of personal health issues, like mental health issues and whatnot. Yeah, I, I would not be shocked to either see him retire. I, I, I would not be shocked to see him retire, to be honest. Because yeah, I just don't um, think anybody's going to give him a chance anymore. We'll we'll see what happens. I mean, somebody may give him a shot, but I, I'm not really sure. I just I also realize now looking at it. The Panthers also got Spencer Knight basically in waiting. So, I mean, they're going to sign a goaltender and then it's going to be the Spencer Knight show in a couple years from now once he, uh, you know, get, gets there because they drafted him pretty high. I think there were there were a bunch of teams in that, like, um, probably teen range of picks into the 20s even that were – talked about taking a shot on him and I think that it, he he's in a good situation now with Florida mm-hmm. um you know they're gonna I think that they're gonna get either Leonard or they're gonna get Bob Robsky so they'll they'll have like a guy for a couple years and then it'll be you know maybe a time split a little bit with Knight and then it'll be Knight's you know job at that point is what it seems like but that's why I think Leonard would make more sense because if they go like I have Bobrovsky is a good goaltender but if if they go all in on Bobrovsky, they're they're going to be paying him a lot of money, especially into like his uh, inevitable decline. 
And who? How yeah. are they going to move that contract? Like they're going to be having one of the most if they if they were going to have Knight take over for him, they're going to have one of the most expensive backups in the league, unless they want to buy him out or whatever in the future. But that that's like very far in the future. I'm maybe maybe they position it where, I mean, it's it may be a little bit too soon, but. Say Spencer Knight, you know, he takes a huge step or something like that, and he's ready really soon to get into the net. You know, maybe if this trade doesn't have a no movement or not, uh, not trade, sorry, contract doesn't have a no movement clause or something, do they expose him so that the Seattle expansion franchise takes him? Who knows? But that's like way, way down the road. But who knows? Maybe, maybe that's in the plans. Yeah, so I guess we'll see. So, but with Carolina, they at least get someone who can back up and at least be a bridge in between him and Forsberg, who Chicago fans have affectionately called beach ball. Mm-hmm. But it's, def- it's definitely, uh, like, Carol- like I said, Carolina's goaltending situation is going to be interesting because if they can't get Morazic back, then they're most, they're most definitely letting McElhaney walk. And if they can't, if they can't get anybody else, that that goaltending tandem of Reimer and now Nadeljevic, uh, that's going to be a bit of an interesting tandem, especially yeah. if Nadeljevic can prove can prove to be ready for a starter spot. Mm-hmm. But since they just signed Nadeljevic, I don't know. They did just sign Nadeljevic to like a two-year contract, so. They're either going to let him sit in the AHL a little bit more, or they are confident in him being ready for an NHL spot. Yeah. I can, I can totally see them letting Morazic and McElhaney walk and just going with the 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 Reimer, the the Ned and Reimer show. Mm-hmm. Um, be the best comedy on television, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, I think we've spent enough time on here. Trevor, if you have anything to add in, feel free. And then. I think since we've done a little bit of the preview of the uh, free agents, maybe we just do like a quick thing. We'll pull up like a list of the guys and say um, where we think they're going to land or something like that. So Trevor, if you want to, if you want to yeah, you know, definitely and say your little take on it or something, then we'll uh, move on to the uh, free agency. Yeah, no, um, I'm just going to say uh, Florida is definitely going to get one of the two get goaltenders, uh, Bobrovsky or Lehner, um, we will see who they will get. Um, I still think Bobrovsky is going to the Panthers. Uh, that's just me personally, but who knows um, what's going to happen. But, um, yeah, that's about it for me. Um, so let's do check out the free agents. Um, uh, does anyone have a list well, of that? I, well, this will be a little partly cut out. I, whenever I leave uh, – whenever I leave uh, – Anchor, I I and I go to Google Chrome. I can't hear you guys. So if you guys talk to me, I am I can't hear you. Okay. So I'm gonna go check up okay. on that real quick. You guys can talk amongst yourself. Uh, so natural transition in here somewhere or. Um, let me, Trevor, go ahead. Um, you could say something about the the list or whatever. I mean, obviously we're we're cutting this. So let's see if we on. can if we can pull up a list or something really quickly. Yeah, I want to get a list really quickly, so just give me one second, NHL free. 
this. There's one that's like a bunch of fantasy players and stuff like that. I mean, here, let me see. Oh, here we go. Here's a nice little list. Okay, so. All right, so. Oh, okay, here. Let's Are we gonna get copy to... this. We're cutting all this out, right? Yeah, we're going to cut this out. So we'll just yeah, go yeah, into like, the thing yeah. about the free agents and stuff like that. Yeah, so, right. Like, I have my cap friendly list story by cap. It's the most expensive free agent out there in terms of previous cap hit is Corey Perry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Cap family uh, does have one. Oh, okay. So yeah. I could just, didn't you have could I just use that. Jason yeah, so, so let's not even go off of money. Just go off of the big name guys. Like we're going to look at Panarin. We're going to look at Duchesne, Pavelski, yeah. Zuccarello, Anders yeah. Lee. Um, then once you start getting like further down oh, this list, it gets into like a really gray area because these are like the secondary tier free agents. So we don't really know where they're going to go. Yeah. You have Gardner, which no one's really been speculating anything on him. We have an idea where Tyler Myers is going. And then the, the goaltenders, you got Mrazek, you've got Bobrovsky, Leonard, and then a bunch of other random guys that are basically towards the tail end of their career, like backups. So, so. Mm-hmm. So let's just um, let's just do like the big okay. names because we all gonna do a we all gonna do a recap show yeah, in the next definitely. few days. Yeah. All right. So let's just go over like the big names and stuff, and then we'll uh, all right. Uh, from the top. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Ready. All right, so to wrap up to today's episode, uh, we are going to look at the top free agents um, in this year's free agent class and give our predictions on where we think they might go. So let's start off with Artini Panarin, who I think is the big yeah, fish. He's, he's in definitely this the big fish. Basically, what I've seen is that it was almost a four-team race. There was a mystery team. People rumored that it was the Devils. There was also the rumor that it was Colorado. Um, And then the three main players were the Rangers, the Islanders, and uh, Florida. And at this point, it looks like the Rangers are basically out. So maybe it's just a two-team race at this point, whether he's going to – go and play with uh, Bobrovsky in, you know, Long Island, or is he going to go and play in Florida? So at this point, just based off of what I'm seeing, I'm going to go with he's going to land in New York with the Islanders, but I can definitely see him going to Florida. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely – Sorry to cut you off there. <laughs> um, I do see him going to Long Island, um, but I think it's just going to be him in Long Island. We will get to Bobrovsky, but I do think Panarin lands with the Islanders, and mm-hmm. it'll be him uh, there, uh, not with okay. Bobrovsky. Uh, yeah, I mean, so far, I've just been hearing recently just a lot of Islanders, 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 so it gives me no, almost no uh, doubt that – Aaron is going to the island, mm-hmm. but okay. it can always change. I mean, I thought I thought John Tavares was going to stay on the island, and then he went to those yeah, yeah. You may we you, you never know. We we could see 
either one of those teams basically we, we yeah. don't we don't really know at this point yeah we, we're pretty we're talking out of our butts here we're, we're just completely talking out of our yeah the these yeah. are pretty much hot cakes so we have no idea what's going to happen um tomorrow july 1st um so we're we're pretty much with you guys on the audience on who's yeah. going well um, with all predictions probably um we should move on to the next guy the next guy that you know big name forward matt duchene um i think that um, for the most part we're probably all gonna have the same take because this has basically been out there for a long time he he's he's going to nashville he has a house in nashville he's positioned himself basically to go there they moved out Suban freed up some space so that they could, you know, go out and grab him. So I think that that's where he's going. That's that's my guess. I don't know if yeah. any of you guys have anywhere else that you could no. you think, I, but I'm pretty sure that's locked up at this point. The only the only other thing I could see is uh, sorry, Trevor, uh, but the only thing I could see is a surprise. Uh, him surprisingly staying in Columbus if they make a, a, like an out of this world pitch for him, but. I yeah. think he likes that. He likes the country atmosphere too much, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, and like I said before, yeah, definitely. Um, him staying in Nashville is the probability possibility. I have been hearing a mystery okay. team, however, in the last few days, and that is the Montreal. Yeah, Indians. I remember hearing that they had met with him um, in one of the first few days of like the meeting period. So maybe. Mm-hmm. But if he has a house in Nashville, I mean, I think we uh, it's safe to say we can assume he will yeah, be going but, to the Predators. And they made the cap space for Talking him. on potential so. contracts, uh, how much how, – how, like, how much uh, – how, how, how much thanks do you think he'll be giving Kevin Hayes for his contract? <laughs> Probably a lot. I, I feel like Duchesne's going to get – more than Hayes, and I don't think that either one of them really deserve what they're getting. <laughs> it's just yeah, that. Oh God. And this is why a lockout happens, <laughs> children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, we, it's like crazy. Thank the GMs for giving out these obno- obnoxious contracts, and this is why that, lockouts there's, there's happen. No, there's so. no cap. Like, it's the cap space and stuff like that. Just in general, the cap's not going up at all. You have these it's a great restricted free agent market right but this isn't like in you know the nba for example where you can offer sheet a guy and then there's no there's no payment back to a team right so if you're looking to get like one of these premier restricted free agents you're gonna have to pay multiple first round picks to get these guys and i think it's just ridiculous at this point i mean yeah yeah the teams that have them should have the you know, the right to say, we're going to match this offer sheet or they can say no and take whatever the picks are. But the payment for these guys is like ridiculous. I think that that's going to be a big uh, talking point in the uh, next CBA. But yeah. um, to, to go back a little bit on uh, topic, moving on to another player, um, Joe Pavelski, he's another one of these like um, Ooh, bigger of an free era, agents and, it looks like he's done in San Jose because they don't really have much space. I mean, he's getting up there in age and stuff like that. But um, everything that I've been seeing is that he he looks like he's going to the Dallas Stars. I know some of the guys in the uh, 
elite hockey fans um, discord server that are Dallas fans are a little bit upset about this because they already have an aging <laughs> core. Um, but I, I understand why they're doing it. Their cup window is basically now. So they kind of need to go out there and try to get a, a goal scorer. And I think that Pavelski will be a good fit for them. I don't yeah. know if you guys have heard anywhere else or if you agree with me with Dallas, but. I heard brief talkings in Tampa, but those talks have since died down. Um, it was mm-hmm. Dallas and Tampa in the foot race for Pavelski, but the more and more, it's definitely looking like him. He is going uh, to also Dallas. Heard, so. uh, I've uh, heard that uh, Minnesota could be also uh, a destination. Well, this is early on. I don't know if it's I think at this point it's it's not going to yeah. happen because Minnesota is pretty much done and they don't need another aging forward. Uh, yeah, they, I had I had heard them as well, but it sounds like they're kind of like out on him at this point. But I've also heard uh, Chicago is interested in him at at one point, but they've seemed to turn their attentions to someone else. Uh, mm-hmm. But and I I. Like as a Sharks fan, I'm gonna be sad to see Pavelski go. Love him as a captain, person, ex- excellent, one of the greatest puck tippers in the game. Yeah, <laughs> he could play center. Sorry, <laughs> uh, he could play center wing. He, health is a bit concerning, especially with concussions. But him, he, him still being able to produce almost 40 goals despite his age is impressive. Yeah. Um, just like uh, speaking of Minnesota, this will transition into the uh, next guy, unless you guys have anything else to say about Pavelski. No, but I think pretty much the – no, but I think the nope. next big free agent you're talking about, Anders Lee, if I'm correct. Uh, no, and actually I was going to say Matt Zuccarello. So <laughs> um, I have Zuccarello going to, to Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of like aging wingers and stuff like that, I mean he's he's getting up there in age well, as well. Well, the fact that he's even still playing hockey is a miracle. He still plays at a pretty high level. I oh, feel yeah. like but, he's not he's um, not a depth player. He's like a top level player on certain teams. Yeah, he's a. I I would say he's still a top six forward in the yeah. uh, NHL. But uh, I've I've seen that. Minnesota is basically the front runner to land him. They missed out on Pavelski. Pavelski didn't want to really meet with them is what I had been hearing. Um, So it looks like uh, Zuccarello is going to be the guy that's going to Minnesota. I heard that there were other teams that were interested. The Devils were supposedly interested in him, but they're not willing to give him um, four years. And it sounds like he may be getting a five-year deal with the Wild. Um, There were a couple other teams interested in him, but I feel like Minnesota is just going to give another outrageous contract to an aging uh, player. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but Zuccarello is going to be good for like those first two years, but like this, is this team any, I know like they need right wingers and although Zuccarello is a left shot, he's a natural right winger. Mm -hmm. Are are they even close to a cup? I don't think Literally the only, like, pretty much the only read. No. Like, I mean, you can, like, you can make the argument that they would have made the playoffs this year had Dumba not been injured. But they've, other than, like, I think, but I think Dumba just exposed how little depth they actually had. Yeah. 
but who knows? It could be a surprise because I mean, you still got Dumnik there, and if you know, mm-hmm. if you uh, manage his workload properly, he could probably still be uh, a good, he could still could put in a good performance for you. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see a better backup for them than Staylock, but he's fine as is. Uh, Minnesota, their their cup window was right after they signed Suter and Parise. So they're they're okay. So we had some technical difficulties on our end, but we appear to be back working. Um, so going back to what you guys were saying about the Suter and free Suter Suter and Parise free agency signings. Yeah. So um, just going back to what I was talking about with that. Um, when you when you look at like Minnesota, right? Their their cup window's done, right? Their cup window was when they signed Suter and Parise. That was the the big time for them. They looked like um, they were gonna contend for a cup, and then it just never really materialized. So I don't get how signing another um, aging player is really going to help their chances at this point. So that, yeah, that's that's know. really it for me on that one. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like. They they just kept running into Chicago all those times, and it just kind of it was just a bit of an unfortunate struck up streak of luck for them. In all honesty, that they never want managed to make it past to the third round. But at the same time, they were never really good enough. Like they just had Parise and uh, Suter, and that was really it. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, I real. <sighs> But I do think they need to start. I think Paul Fenton's like still trying to ride this line that Chuck Fletcher was. Well, not Ch- Chuck Fletcher did. Like he's trying to ride this line of still contending for now while also building up the future. Mm-hmm. I think they are looking at some of the kids from uh, Iowa because Iowa had just made the playoffs for the first time in uh, since they had re- locate relocated to Iowa mm-hmm. in uh, the AHL, and they have guys like uh, Brennan Mennel who was a uh, who's an undrafted free agent signing. He led their defenseman in points and plus minus in the AHL. So I think they're looking at him to take a step forward. Uh, uh, they're probably looking at Joel Erickson act to finally start making some progress. They're looking at uh, Ryan Donato to continue showing what he got. Uh, they're looking at uh, Kevin. Well, I know they were hot. Fenton has been high on Fiala for a long time, so he's really banking on him yeah. showing an extra level. Uh, I just don't see how all of that's really going to propel them to being yeah, a cup contender. It, but it's a know. lot has to go. A lot has to go right for them to make the playoffs at all. But I wouldn't put it out of them because they still have guys like Stahl, yeah, Lucifer, Dumba, Dubnik. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but it's better for them to. They're be they're like those they're like one of those teams that could maybe get in with like one of the last two slots, basically like wild card. But I I, mm-hmm. I don't see it personally. Uh, Trevor, you got anything on um, Zuccarello? I don't remember if before we had the um, technical difficulties. If you had commented, yeah, no, um, I haven't really heard much out of his camp. But I guess if uh, Minnesota is the number one place that he's supposedly going, then um, yeah. We'll see how that goes for the wild. Yeah, I don't think Zuc- I don't think Zuccarello liked Dallas because he got injured in his first game there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, apparently, apparently, conditioning in Dallas is non-existent. <laughs> I yeah. think it's better off that he's not signing in Dallas because then they're not going to be giving up another pick. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Dallas, I think 
Jim Nill likes to keep picks as well. He's he's not like Ken Holland who trades like picks mm-hmm. for money. He well for like like candy. He just he, he likes to keep his picks, but yeah. quality of said quality of said picks may vary, but he likes to keep them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay, so the next free agent uh, we should look at here is Anders Lee, and uh, I know Will, you uh, you had uh, something you did want to say about him. Um, Anders Lee, this is a he's a, he's an interesting case. He's you know one of those those guys that. I, I'm not really extremely high on, I guess, but I can see why teams would, you know, look at him. Um, I think if the Islanders don't end up with Panarin, I feel like Lee will re-up with them. But if they do get Panarin, I feel like the the big landing spot for him probably would be Chicago. He'll probably end up with the Blackhawks. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I think the thing Lee Lee plays a bit of a power forward type style, very physical play. Not really the fastest skaters, but he has a good nose for the net. He's a two time he's a two time forty goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's capable of almost thirty. He's he's a good player in his own right, but you do have to wonder if his style of play. Well, it's almost a given that his style of play could take easily take him out before he's uh, thirty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least limit his effectiveness. Uh, and I think the big issue with him resigning with the Isles is that he, it's, I think it's like term or money. Cause like, I, Lou, Lou, if you, like, we, I think most hockey fans know how avaricious Lou Lamarillo can be when giving out contracts. Mm-hmm. Me and Will both know that. For yeah. Fact. Well, we know, we know a bunch about Lou. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you you you're the premier Lou Lamarillo expert. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, c- continue with what you were saying. Go ahead. Yeah, like Lou, Lou can be very avaricious when giving out contracts, especially when it comes to like your big name players. Like, like if, if I remember correctly, when Billy Garen was due for a contract and he they couldn't come to an agreement, he was just like, "Okay, I'll let you walk for nothing." Yeah, that that drove me nuts about Lou. It's like you got these guys that you're pretty sure that you're not going to keep, and then you kind of just like let them go for nothing instead of trying to at least recoup a pick or prospect or something. It's just like the way that Lou does business drives me nuts. Like Lou, Lou loves those Jeff. Lou loves those Jeff Reason types. Like he he's very much a character type guy. Yeah, I I agree with that. But, but just speaking, well, hey, he's a legend. He's a New Jersey legend. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, Two thousand three playoffs, man. Come on. Yeah, he he was he was one of my favorites back in the day. Yeah, didn't you? Well, that's a tangent for another time. But I think Lee. I like I said. I think Lee wants a long term deal for money, and I don't think Lou wants to give him that term because mm-hmm. Lou, I think, knows that his style of play could very easily fall off a cliff. Yeah. But, um, but the tri- problem is with the well, so like a nah, nah, nothing there. Uh, the last player we're going to touch on today, and uh, don't worry, everybody, we will have a full free agency recap in the next few days after July 1st. So okay. stay tuned for that episode uh, where we'll go over all of the major players that were signed. Uh, we're going to go next to Tyler Myers and. I've been hearing Vancouver all the way on this one. Um, I don't yeah. know if you guys have heard different. 
No, I have not. It's like it's pretty much just it's pretty much just been Vancouver, 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 Vancouver. La, 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 la. Yeah, ever ever since like any rumors that have come out about Myers, it's basically been Vancouver. Um, just a just a little aside before I get into this a little bit. Um, some of the other guys that we could have been able to talk about if we weren't, you know, running into these like technical difficulties and stuff like that. That's why we're trying to cut this short. Um, some of the goaltenders you already got some of our takes on that during the episode about where these guys are going to be going. Um, Jake Gardner, I've heard almost like nothing about him, so I don't really know. And then we have a bunch of like um, second tier level forwards that are there and like lower tier defensemen that are basically going to be guys that teams will target after the um, the the big name guys are off the board. So those guys, there hasn't been as much chatter about, so we'll kind of see where that goes and we'll obviously recap that in the next episode. But getting back to Tyler Myers, Tyler Myers is, he, he's, he's not good. I, I can't even imagine a team giving him a seven-year deal. And that's what it's rumored that Vancouver is going to do. It sounds like it's going to be a seven-year deal around like, somewhere between six and seven million a year um, of a cap hit. I think that it's, it's an awful idea. This is just another one of those moves where going back to like the stuff with the trades, I really don't know what Vancouver is like thinking about, you know, their team building. I don't, I don't get it. Myers, not a good defenseman. He's not good offensively. He's really not that great defensively. When you look at some of his advanced stats, is he a guy that should be making six to seven million a year and get a seven-year contract? Probably not. Um, but I, I just don't see it improving Vancouver. I'm not really sure what their general manager and their front office is really thinking with some of these moves. But um, you know, it's up to them to figure out. Yeah, I. Do. But the, the big reason why Tyler Myers is going to be getting a contract like six million, there are like no defensemen. Yeah, that's true. He, the only reason he is the biggest name on this free agent class and not Jake Gardner is because Tyler Myers want to call her. Mm-hmm. Jake Jake Gardner is a better defenseman in my opinion, at least in terms of offense. I don't know about defensive play, but I assume Jake Gardner is better defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would be giving Jake. I would be more willing to give Jake Garner that money, but Tyler Myers is also a right-handed shot, and you don't really find right-handed shots like that. He's also uh, yeah. Right. I think he's what the biggest name right-handed defenseman or whatever. It's like an extremely weak uh, right-handed defenseman market. So yeah, like him, he's the biggest name. Then you got Anton Strollman, and then Dan Girardi, and then so on, and then Luke yeah, Shannon. it's like it's like nothing. So. Like you're going to be seeing a lot of defensemen, especially get overpaid because guys like Eric Carlson are on the market. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. So, yeah, it's um, just but like, just one more thing on Tyler Myers. Yeah, sure. Tyler Myers isn't as bad, isn't as bad as some say, but he is not great, and he is not a six million dollar defenseman, and he shouldn't. Not worth that kind of money, and he's not worth that term. Vancouver could very much regret biting that contract, but hey, the, the, something, something, fools get fooled or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. We are out. Well, we are out of time. Almost. Pretty much. Yeah, we've been going for uh, almost two hours now, so I think that'll do it for today. Um, 
I want to thank everyone for listening, uh, who has stuck around with us. Uh, your viewership is greatly appreciated. And I want to thank my two hosts today, uh, Will and Colin. You guys have been great. Uh, yeah. Talking yeah, about a lot. And our, our next episode will be in the next few days after July 1st. We're going to let a lot of the contracts get signed and stuff so that we can go yeah. over a lot in uh, free yeah. agency. Yeah, we'll, we'll not, we'll, we won't, we'll try to let that sizzle down as well because I don't want to be one of those guys who likes to make the immediate hot takes on free agent signings and just be like overpaid, underpaid, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll try to give it a little bit of thought and everything, but definitely thanks for everybody coming out and listening to us. And, yeah. um, you know, we hope that you'll join us in the uh, next episode. Yeah, All right. I, I love. I love doing this with you guys, and I hope we can continue to do it. Yeah, Beautiful. of course. All right. Yeah, so. All right. so thanks, thanks again everybody. for listening. Yep. Thanks mm-hmm. again for listening to the Elite Hockey Fans Podcast, and we'll see you at, in the next episode. See you guys.